Hello, Feisties. I'm Sarah Gross, CEO and founder of Feisty Media. And I'm here to tell you that our foundational strength training course, Strong, is on sale now through April 10th. If you're like me, you probably get a lot of crap in your Instagram or Facebook feed telling you how you should look or how you will feel if you look a certain way. As summer approaches, this only gets worse. We are told we should have a quote unquote summer body as if our bodies somehow morph into something completely different just because the weather changes. And frankly, over here at Feisty Media, we are totally sick of it. Because at Feisty, our vision is to build an empowering culture for active women. We want to shift our attention away from what our bodies look like and focus instead on what our bodies can do especially during the summer months when having the physical strength to do the activities we love is so important. The Strong Course is designed to take any woman, regardless of your starting point, through everything you need to know to level up your strength training journey. It includes a 16-week program to help you progress from wherever you are to lifting heavy or heavy-ish with dumbbells or a barbell. It also includes modules on the physiology of strength training for women, nutrition, how we keep ourselves injury free and more. I want every woman to be able to do the things that bring her joy and be strong enough to do them for life. Enrollment in this course is now open and you can sign up and learn more at womensperformance.com forward slash strong or check the show notes of this episode for the link. And for those of you who are among the 800 women who have already taken the Strong Course with one of our previous cohorts, congratulations on taking the plunge. And to the rest of you, see you in the course in April. Make this summer your strongest and best ever. Head over to womensperformance.com forward slash strong today. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. We're a little rusty. We're so rusty. It's actually been a long time since we've done an intro mm-hmm. together. I'm laughing because I was like, where's my microphone? And where's, because <laughs> like... I think the last couple of times too, before that, I didn't have it with me because I wasn't recording from, from my loft. So anyway. Yeah. yeah. We're back. We're back together. We're here. How are you? I'm good. I am finally 90% moved into my new place. And, is... and it's a little bit bigger. Oh my gosh. It's so much bigger. That's awesome. It's so much bigger. Yeah, it's great. I really like it. Good. So I never thought I'd like the generic apartment building, but I do. Sometimes there's a reason that those are there. I know. I know. I know. So anyway, yeah. So that was, went to Unbound, obviously. Well, Gravel Festival moved Unbound and then came back from Unbound and then two days later went to Canada for a couple of days. So I am here I for four say- weeks. You, you're looking like sunny, breezy, like fresh and ready to rumble. So. <laughs> well, I am. No, it's just there nice to be in one place for a month, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it yeah. Is. 
Uh, how have you been? Are you still drying out? <laughs> no, it got dry. Um, no, the week after is always such a shit show for me. So yeah, lots to do. Just I no, I literally I went up to Kansas City to hang out with Tim just Monday, um, and then had to be back Tuesday night, but for a meeting that I had first thing Wednesday morning, and that meeting sent me a Zoom link, so. I ended up just kind of staying Here, in like, Kansas dang. City. Yeah. Oh, so you stayed. Yeah. yeah. I did. I stayed. And the good news was that I didn't really take stuff with me. I, I, I wasn't going up there to stay. I was just going there for a night. And um, which meant that I really kind of just had to stay around the apartment and sleep and organize stuff and eat and read my book. And I wasn't really prepared to be away, but it actually worked out in a weird way. Yeah. Really Cause you didn't have all your stuff you could do. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So it was very, very enjoyable. And I woke up, I think Friday morning, finally was like when I was like, Oh, there you are. Okay. We're ready. So yeah. I felt, felt back to normal, but yeah. And you've been good. checking out ball sports. Yes. Well, Casey current, like I think I told you I've got season tickets to, and I have season tickets to, to watch the, the, the women's, Kansas City's professional soccer team play. They have, I'm sure I've mentioned it, mentioned it on the podcast. They have their own stadium that's being built as we speak. So um, we went to the game last night and they won four to zero, um, which was super fun because they've not had a great season so far, but they've been playing well. They just haven't been yeah. scoring. So it's kind of been frustrating as a fan to watch them because you're just like, oh, because um, it's all there. It's just, it wasn't the ball wasn't going into the back of the net. And yeah. last night it went in there four times in 15 minutes. <laughs> nice. Really fun. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. And it was fun. It, like literally all the fans, it was like, you could feel this like sigh of relief. Like, Oh, thank God. There it is. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. So it was fun. That's going to be the first facility built just for women. Right. Yep. In the I world. Feel, I feel like that's a feisty field trip. Like uh, I definitely name. think so. I'm, I'm getting ready to reach out to them because I really, I want to do something around the professional women's field because they have games right around the same time. Like I went to a game, um, the week of the week of unbound, I went to the game, like they had a Thursday or Wednesday night game. And I was like, how cool would it be? Cause they bring people down on the field. How, like if we could bring the professional women's field, like if some of the professional women were here, um, yeah. down onto the field to kind of like recognize, you know, that'd be cool. Uh, well, and you know, while we were in Canada, Feisty did that big basketball thing because Sarah had mm-hmm. like, so maybe we could like do a whole thing. We could come do media coverage and then we could bring the whole Feisty Dog and Pony show to Unbound. I love it. So I don't know if they know what to do. Current is, is listening. Um, yeah, reach out because I'm like, I'm going to be reaching out. But if uh, there's a contact there that yeah. is the best one, like I want to make it happen awesome. for 2024. Yeah. Sarah's at the female athlete conference this week. So maybe I'll text her and see if there's yeah. anybody from there or a connection that's there. Cause there's some big sports journalists that are like Sarah Spain is there. And that woman that just wrote uh, the new book about female, like how female physiology has been behind Christine. You they're all there. Celine's there. Nice. They were like, do you want to go to Boston? I was like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Well, part of being able country. to do this stuff is also kn- knowing when to say no. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, when you need a breath. Like I really wanted to go to Tulsa Tough just to see it and to support Claire. And I just didn't, it wasn't there. Yeah. I was like, I'm sure I would have gone and it would have been fun and it would have been amazing and I would have figured it all out, but then I would have been right back in the same hole this week on on some level because I just wasn't recovered. But and you're like ready to go down to Patagonia for yes. July 15th, that place is gonna be open. So so exciting. Separate story, like not for here, but I have to tell you the bakery box story or the paint color because it's hilarious, but okay. Yeah. It's bakery box folks. If you ever have a question about what white to choose for your walls, just, just go with Christy's suggestion, bare paint, Home Depot, bakery box, bakery box. Okay. Uh, well, we're probably going to see it because we're working on a little trip down there for next spring. I just finally got the stuff from Casey. So hopefully that's going to be coming out. Okay, cool. Ooh, so yeah, we need a planning session then. So let's do that. Yeah. Maybe people on the podcast don't need to hear this. Okay. I have to show you one thing though, before, <laughs> before we get to this podcast interview, I just decorated my desk. Ah, you've got your earring from Allie's induction. Yeah. Did, so did I got Libby the, give that to you? No, I got the, I bought them, Okay, but they came okay. in like this massive pack. Cause they were like a bridesmaid thing, but they were like $6 or something. So it's, if people, it's a disco it's a ball earring. earring with a, ca- yeah. a paint cowboy hat. And I wore it for Allie for the gravel cycling I'm, hall of fame induction. I'm, I'm surprised your ears are not infected. Oh my gosh. I had to take them <laughs> off because I was, I got a headache from them. I made the Libby wear a pair too, but um, <sighs> one made it home. And so I have a little, it's fake plant that's on my desk. And so I hung it on the plant. That's awesome. I was going to be impressed that you had a live plant, but never mind. <laughs> oh, speaking of things you're impressed by, did you see my reel today of how I asked um, Ian Boswell about his dance moves? Yes, it was really good. I was impressed. But my favorite, my favorite unbound reel that you made was the dogs. The dogs. That was the best. When you showed that to me in the finish line, I was like, oh, that's a keeper. That's a good one. Yeah. I, had fun. I actually thought that would get more plays than anything else, but apparently the woman winning and our guest today and the XL start. All got oh more uh, more views than anything else. So, I mean, since we are all about building the women's field, I'll take that. That's totally worth it. Like, yes, <laughs> but but the dogs got a lot of um, a lot of comments about this is the content we need. <laughs> mud <laughs> mud complaining and all that stuff going oh, around. Gosh. So we won't get into that. that. <laughs> I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. So we have Kristen Legan on today, who won the Unbound XL. Uh, went through some crazy conditions out on the course, including a, she probably got cleaned up at the finish line. It was so rainy when she finished. So, so we're going to be talking to her and all about her journey for 352 miles and mud, rain, heat, all the other things. So usually we record this intro after we've recorded the podcast. So we know exactly what we talked about, but little insider secret. We're we're all in for a surprise. (laughs) We're all in for surprise. Hopefully Kristen shows up. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to stop talking and we're going to get on to Kristen Legan. To live your healthiest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. 
Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age, which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? Which means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax-free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, visit insidetracker.com slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com slash feisty. Kristen, I'm sorry. We're so rusty. It's all right. I'm right there with you. My brain is still functioning a little bit slowly. So like some words just don't come to me. So I'm just like in the middle of a sentence being like, what? Uh, there is a word for that. It's cheese. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no good. Ah, so well, if you, if you don't know. recognize that voice, we've got uh, Kristen Legan with us. Um, Ooh. I, I think we can just say like absolutely famous Kristen Legan at this point after, <laughs> after right, right. The, after the performance <laughs> on June 2nd and 3rd. <laughs> so long, Kristen, long Kristen was our, uh, 2023 unbound XL champion, um, crushed, yeah. crushed a course that crushed a lot of people. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a tough day out there. It was uh, cool to see so many people coming through the finish line and just being like smashed, you know, and I think that's a pretty cool feeling to know you've pushed yourself to the limit and maybe over the limit and um, you made it through. And so the celebrations at the finish line, I think this year were were pretty epic. So it's cool. Yeah. Well, um, we want to hear all about your race. Like we want to get the mm-hmm. scoop. <laughs> we heard a lot about what happened over the 200 and the 100 miles from folks, but um, when you finished, it was pouring. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I, you know, I used to try to get finish line micro or finish line interviews. And um, after that rain shower, my microphone was <laughs> great. Can't leave yeah. your microphone out in the rain, by the way. <laughs> They're not waterproof. Folks. They're not waterproof. Um but yeah, so th- was this your second or third year of doing the Excel? It was my third start. Um, and this was my second finish. So, um, the first year, 2018, I pulled out with a, a knee problem and just decided it wasn't worth continuing on and causing bigger damage. So pulled out and then, um, finished in 2019, the year after. So had a finish, but didn't have a win. And so that was what I came back this year for, um, to try and see if I could get that W. And you did. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay. I have, so you've been doing the, ex, did you do it the first year? Was 2018 the first year? Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. So, and I noticed this this year because uh, it might have been because the start line was in a different place, but there were so many people watching the start of the Excel. Like I was like, oh, I'll just go around the corner and just get the video of people. And I had to go like, three blocks down and there were still people like lined both sides of the street watching. Yeah. So it felt like there was a ton of energy around the start this year and people, there was more excitement around it. Do you feel that? 
For sure. Yeah, I think it's it's really become its own event and people are recognizing it and really excited to watch the XL. And then just the number of people that were, you know, even racing the 200 that were texting me at 4 a.m. on Saturday morning as they were waking up for their race and they were saying like, you know, go, go. And so I think people are are tuning in a little bit more and, and just watching the race unfold, which is really cool because it's, um, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a fun slow motion bike race uh, to get to follow along with. I like that slow motion bike race. Yeah. I, I mean, I know, you know, we each, each year we keep adapting for the XL and thought we nailed it this year with having it on. And I think, I mean, I think we did on a lot of aspects, but the eighth street start came out of like the parking lot was going to be torn up. And so we ended up moving group rights and the XL start to eighth street, which actually worked out fantastic. Right. And I went around that corner and I was like, there's no room for the cyclists to go down and the, the, one of the cops Lane Doty is a friend of mine he's like Christy calm down everybody's being very respectful it's fine because I was starting to get really like these people have got to get out of the way and he's like everybody's listening everybody's being respectful it's fine but I just was like good grief we thought we nailed it and then I came around the corner and I'm like oh my god yeah yeah such a cool send-off you've had I mean okay like let's just fill in everybody on your history with DK Unbound because you've done a lot of racing in the Flint Hills. Yeah. So what is that? What is the KP League and history at in the Flint Hills? Yeah, no, it's been it's been a decade. So 2020, 2013 was my first time coming out to Emporia. Um, Nick, my husband, dragged me out, kicking and screaming, did not want to go do this silly 200 mile race he'd done before. And, um, but got out there and did 2013 and had a great race, a really fun experience. Um, race was just some like total, you know, badass women, Rebecca Rush, Celine Yeager. Um, and so that was really cool. That kind of sucked me into it. I, I didn't go back in 2014. I went and supported Nick actually that year. And then we started kind of trading off being a racer or a supporter. Um, but I did. So then I got the 2015 year, got the, the big mud oh, year man. that, that time. So that was, um a huge part of my success this year, I would have to say, just having that experience of what it's like to ride in that mud. Um, and then, yeah, I just went on and did a few more 200s and then got into the XL in 2018 and started dabbling into that. Um, and uh, yeah, that's definitely where I enjoy is the XL. I, I ended up doing the 200 last year as part of the Grand Prix and had a great race and a, a great time out there. But um, yeah, I definitely love the the overnight kind of adventure race aspect of the XL. Well, and you've had a few podiums too here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sorry, sorry, well, <laughs> I'm gonna make you say it. <laughs> no, it's it's well. What the coolest thing is is that yes, I like I podiumed my first year racing in 2013. I think I was fourth um, on the women's side, and that was super cool. And like that was a big part of what just drew me in. It was like this competition and being part of it and part of the race but what's been really neat to see is the the transition that the women's racer I mean both sides but particularly the women's side um just becoming deeper and deeper and more competitive and just seeing some of these really strong women coming out from all types of different disciplines 
and trying their hand at this kind of big, um, you know, gravel race. And so last year in the 200, I think I was 10th in the women's race, but that was by far the, the strongest I've ever been riding. I was the fittest, most prepared I've ever been. And that was, that felt like the biggest accomplishment, even though I wasn't on the podium that year, but it was still just, you know, just that goes to show just how strong the women's field is really getting. Yeah. That's exciting to see. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean, there was also a strong women's field that started the XL um, mm-hmm. yeah. this year, which was really fun to see. Um, I yeah. know Cynthia Frazier is a real strong writer. She ended up pulling out, um, which I really respected. I saw her and I said, what happened? She said, I just wasn't having fun. And that was my goal for this race. And I'm going through a lot in life right now. And so I just yeah. pulled out. Um, and there was somebody else that's a really strong writer that I, I just forgot. Well, I mean, there was a lot. I mean, Paige yeah. Redmond was yeah. a, the Gravel World's uh, Long Voyage winner last year. And it was cool this year because it was a really big mix of different athletes. Like, I felt like there was a lot of women coming from the ultra side of things, so like big bike packers. I think um, one woman was like the Italy Divide winner last year. So it was a bunch of new comp- competition, new competitors for me. Like, I didn't know a lot about a ton of them because I hadn't raced a bunch. And so um, you just kind of don't know what to expect, which made it a lot more fun and kind of dynamic because you just have to adapt to it and see what everybody can do. Yeah. Uh, what do you do when you pull out of town and within the first, like in the first 30 minutes, a big storm came, like we were all at the start and then we were all like running in the buildings because a massive right. storm hit. Like what's going through your mind when something like that happens? You're like, I'm at the beginning of a long journey. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily we missed that, that storm. I think, um, mm-hmm. we didn't have rain until about three hours in, I would say somewhere around that time period. So, so the start was, you know, a, a start, it was a little spicy in places and just trying to hold wheels and make sure we didn't split at the wrong time. And I was trying to mark the, the lead women, make sure I didn't get dropped off any of their groups. Um, so that was, that was fun, you know, just kind of a nice start. But then we did get that rain at three hours in. And that was kind of just the moment of like, okay, we're in it. Like we're wet. We have to kind of start, start the process of the XL of like taking care of yourself and thinking about what does this mean for 10 hours down the road or 15 hours down the road? Because if you get yourself wet and cold and shivering, you know, three hours in, you're going to suffer from that for that later. Um, So you really have to pay attention to taking all of the right steps, even if it means pulling over and putting on a rain jacket or, you know, stopping to, to take care of yourself one way or another. Yeah. Talk us through like the rest of it, like just kind of like your 10,000 foot view. I don't want you to go too far up, but like, yeah. <laughs> and in, in minute 28. Yeah. I... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to think about it. It was such a big day, but, um, I I actually kind of think about it in terms of the different mechanicals or different mishaps that happen throughout the day, because Mm. that kind of works like the markers of the day. Um, So in the first section, in the first like 50 miles, my Garmin and light mount kind of broke off my handlebar. Um, So I had to stop and like grab the mount, figure out what I was going to do because my light, you know, I I needed a light. I knew I was going to need that. So I ended up at the first checkpoint in Cottonwood Falls, duct taping my light to my arrow bar and figuring out a way to put my, you know, my garment into like my little top two bag so I could unzip it every once in a while and check to make sure I was on the right track. Um, 
but and it you know ended up working just fine and then we rode through cottonwood falls as a, as a small group i was with cynthia cynthia at that point we were riding together and it was um yeah actually pretty fun getting to chat and kind of talk through what she's been going through and just different um different things about her race that she's been putting on which was really fun and then we hit the mud um and that was kind of the turning point i guess for the whole day we hit the mud i think at about mile 100 and that was the first section that we hit and our group just exploded um we entered the mud together and i didn't see pretty much anybody from that point on um i was able to thankfully get through the mud pretty quickly because of you know having experience my bike cleared mud really well so that was nice um i could get through it a little bit faster and then from that point on it was i was pretty much on a solo mission i'd run into a few people every once in a while ride with them for a second and say hi but um but for the most part it was 250 miles solo adventure for me um so that was that was great got through the night i was having some you know i think everybody who experienced the mud out there it, it demolishes your your drivetrain so shifting was off i bent my derailleur hanger was shifting into my spokes thankfully i didn't have to replace anything i just had to kind of manage things um so that I didn't shift into my spokes and rip off a derailleur. Um, so I just made a conscious decision, decision. I wasn't going to shift into my easiest gear, my, my 34 um, cog, because that was what was kind of causing the problem. So it was just like really focused on not doing that through the rest of the race. And um, yeah, just uh, we got to the little sections of mud. And every time we got to a section of mud, it was just like, just keep moving forward, clear the mud, push your bike, keep moving forward. And um, not getting too caught up in, you know, getting mad about it or, you know, frustrated out there and, um, had one really huge section of mud, I think like third or sorry, uh, seven miles, kind of a section of seven miles of walking in the middle of the night. <laughs> and, um, there was a grass on the sides of the roads. And so I was trying to ride that sometimes and I could get going, but it was in the middle of the night. You can't really see what's underneath the grass. And I, there were a couple of moments, like I went over the bars at one point, I hit rim at one point hitting a rock. And I was just like, you know, you have a big enough gap right now that as long as you just keep walking and keep protecting everything so that you can keep moving forward, that's, that's going to be better than, you know, ending your day because you broke a wheel or something like that. Cause you were trying to just get a little bit faster through that section. So um but yeah got through the the lap the mud section right at the break of dawn and then was um yeah it was daylight which makes everything better and uh just we didn't have any mud from that point on but we had you know heat and another storm come in later in the day and, and that kind of stuff but once we hit that the finish of that last big mud section it was just just keep pedaling and, and pushing your body and, and seeing what you can do to to get to the finish line awesome I'm curious because I know it's self-supported at gas stations. Mm -hmm. So did you, did you go to the gas stations or did you try to pack in? And if you did, what was your, what are your favorite gas station treats? Yeah, no. So gas stations, um, they're such an interesting part of the XL because yeah, you have to really go. I feel like you have to go in with a plan because it's easy to get stuck in the gas station for 10 minutes being like wandering up and down <laughs> the aisles going like, I don't know, what should I get? Um, my plan was to do the first two gas stations. So the first, the first one was at 75 miles and the second one was at 150. And so my plan going into the race was not 
being, I didn't want to have to buy anything at those first two aids or gas stations because I was worried that we would be in this massive group and we'd get there and I didn't want to have to waste time standing in line and get dropped from the group because I didn't get in line fast enough. So I was going to just rely solely on being able to fill up water, whether it's in the bathroom or the faucet um, and using like the goo rocking mix and, and just different stuff that I brought along with me. So I did that um, at the first one. And then the second one, we had already kind of hit the mud and everything had blown up. And so I was able to just kind of calm down and go in and, and buy things at the, the gas station. The second one, I didn't have to just rely on the, the Roctane. Um, and this is, I need, I need work on this. This is definitely a place I did not feel successful out there was my nutrition and food. I had a horrible stomach most of the race. Um, I just couldn't get anything down. So I tried having a Pop-Tart and a Red Bull at <laughs> the, the 150 mile mark. And that seems that, like it would help an upset stomach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe <laughs> that's my problem. <laughs> um, I was trying, you know, trying to think of like, I needed solid foods. I needed something that was more real food and Pop-Tarts was something I had been trying to train with and, and use just because I knew you could definitely get them anywhere they're pretty bland. They have pretty quick sugars, that kind of thing. Um, but that just didn't, didn't do too much to help, um, through that section. But later on, I was again, trying to get more foods in, tried to do a, a Casey's breakfast sandwich, which was in 2019 when I raised, that was, I, that's the one thing I remember just enjoying so well, it's just, so much. It's just this like <laughs> egg and sausage. It was magical. Um, was not the same case this time. It was terrible. And I got like three bites in and was just like, I can't, I can't eat anymore. So, um, so this year, the big, uh, the big revelation is Sour Patch Kids. Oh, I could stand behind that. Yeah. Strangely <laughs> enough. Um, I think the sour like was enough to just totally shock the, the body or, or something that they tasted great because it wasn't, you know, just a sports mix. It wasn't high. Well, I mean, they are high sugar, but it at least had a different element, a different flavor taste profile to it. Um, so yeah, I ate a lot of those for the rest of the, the race. I think like 200, another 150 miles of mostly just sour patch kids. Oh God. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. You probably never want to see another sour patch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah. man, that's a that need, they need to be a sponsor of yours. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's cool to learn what what works. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it doesn't have. It's not always the same year to year. Obviously, the breakfast sandwich didn't do its job this year, but um, but it is fun learning some of these different things that you can use in future races, like different tools in your toolbox. Um, but yeah, as I said, I think nutrition is my biggest weakness at this point and need to need to work on that a little bit. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's a hard one to practice because it's like, that's right. what you're supposed to do, right? Is to practice right. it, but you're not going to go out and put yourself in that big of a hole where the nutrition, you know, right. nutrition on a hundred or 200 mile ride is way different than nutrition at mile, you know, 320. Right. And you're like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, I think slowing down and, oh, sorry. I was going to say, depending no, no, just slowing down and, and, you know, taking care of yourself again, like that's a good lesson is that 
you want to try and get through things so fast and just be super efficient, but you also just have to take care of yourself out there. Yeah. Well, and when, and this year in particular, it was a very good lesson in that. If you were not patient, your day was not going to go well on like on the 200 or the 350, you had to be right. patient. So, and yeah, you got to experience that in 2015. <laughs> it was way worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I would say it was worse this year for us with the XL with the, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Probably not percentage wise in terms of distance versus time in the mud. Um, I still think 2015 percentage wise was probably more and more, uh, more difficult with oh, that. Yeah. One of the most frustrating things about going to big gravel races in the last few years is I have been getting sick pretty much every time I travel. And I travel about once a month for work or to a big gravel event or something related. And it's so frustrating when I get there and I can already feel the sore throat and the cold coming on. And it really takes me out for several weeks. And that's why I'm excited about our new podcast sponsor, Prevenex. We've worked with Prevenex within our Feisty brands for a long time. If you listen to Hit Play Not Pause, you've heard about joint support. Um, you've also heard about how their great protein powder. But I am really obsessed with this product called Immune Health Plus. It has helped me go from getting sick every time I travel to I have not been sick one time this year. And, and I've also been on the road a good bit already this year. So it has everything that you need for immune health support and it's way better than anything you're gonna find in a grocery store or health food store. It's supercharged with immune boosting ingredients like elderberry fruit, extract, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, and calcium. Now, if you want to stay healthy through your race season this year, you're going to use the code Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off your first purchase of Immune Health Plus or any of their other products. That's Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off of your purchase. And you go to Prevanex.com. You can find that in the show notes. Well, how do you, like, do you train your mindset or how do you handle mindset? I know like you had a really great post. We actually pulled a quote from your post and put it on <laughs> Feisty Media because I was like, this is a great quote. Um, I should probably tell Kristen we're using it. <laughs> But, um, just use it. <laughs> She'll figure it out. <laughs> just used it and tagged you. But you said it's public domain. That's what you said. Days like this present an opportunity, a possibility, a chance to see how far we can push ourselves and how much more we can keep pushing. It's the chance to rip up the script, abandon ship on our finely laid plans, and go on gut instinct. It may not be comfortable, but we're not lining up for those events in search of comfort, are we? So, how do you get that mindset instead of like, fuck? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you want uh, that too yeah you know it's hard I so I did I did a this was new for me this year I did some mindset training um I did a lot of visualization and just work on finding ways to remove myself from like the negative thoughts that come in you know no matter what race we're doing we're gonna have highs and lows right and being able to recognize when you're at that low point and pull yourself out of it to quickly move on, I think is, is something that we have to train. And so I was working really hard on, on doing a lot of that this year. Um, and, you know, I didn't visualize any kind of situation like we were in, but I think just the practice of dealing with a problem and moving on and just finding a solution rather than dwelling on, you know, why did this happen to me or why do I have to deal with this? you know, just being like, oh, cool, this is the hand I'm being dealt. I'm going to have to, you know, move on and, and just keep 
moving forward. So, um, so yeah, so it was definitely some training that went into that and it worked, you know, I, I really felt like I was super stable out there. I didn't have super huge highs to be honest, but I also didn't have super huge lows. I was just in this real constant looking forward, like, what do I need to do? Like, what's the next, what's the next task? Do I need to think about how I'm going to, what I'm going to get at the convenience store? Do I need to think about, you know, the, how to cool off when the, when it started to get hot and just tackling each of those problems one at a time, rather than getting overwhelmed by the hugeness of the event or, or conditions. That's yeah, that's awesome. And you've been around the event. You've been in the space long enough to kind of understand some of that um, with coaching. Cause you do, you, you are our unbound official unbound gravel coach. You have a lot of different athletes that you coach. Do you work with them on that? Like setting expectations for race day? Like I'm curious because there were some people that yeah. were very upset this year and like, you know, yeah. just curious on that. Yeah. So a lot of what we talk about is, is that kind of the highs and the lows and how to, mm-hmm. Just prepare yourself for that because it's something that I think it can catch us off guard a lot of times where we're out there and we just start, we're pissed off, we're mad, nothing's working. And, you know, more times out of, you know, not, that's the wrong way way to say that, but um, it's usually like you're low on calories or you're, you're dehydrated. And so it's a physical thing you can, yeah, exactly. You're just being hangry out there. Um, But I, but it's about being able to recognize when that starts to creep in. And so uh, working with athletes on, you know, recognizing what are those signs, what are, you know, what's something that you can do then to pull yourself out of it. And whether it's eating or it's, you know, physically smiling, that's something that I'll work, you know, mm. talk about is just like, even if you're in pain, trying to make your face smile, it kind of sends some signals to your body that's saying, oh, we're happy now. So we're going to change how we're thinking about this. Um, so, so yeah, definitely not all of the athletes I coached had the perfect day out there or had a positive experience out there. And then it's, it's about kind of using that then to learn from and make sure that the next event, whether it's, you know, whatever it is that you can use that to make yourself stronger and, and find those positives long-term, even if maybe you didn't, you know, succeed at your goals at this particular race. Yeah. Yeah. Managing through a DNF. Mm -hmm as well. Yeah. Like where, what are the positives there? Um, right. cause there's always lessons. I mean, yeah. you DNF'd in 2018 at the XL yeah. and that was actually the 200. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that DNF in 2018 that you were one of 34 athletes that were selected. I mean, it wasn't even, it was yeah. kind of a, it was kind of a big deal, like, you know, yeah. I'm sure. And some mind for you to be like, yeah, this isn't happening for me today. Yeah, that was the worst. I mean, I DNF'd in 2016 because I had a totally a horrible mindset going into that race and didn't want to be there and just was a brat about it. And I dropped out because I was not having the day I wanted. And I regret that one so much because I do think I could have learned a lot about myself and how to change that mindset if I had actually tried out there. And then going into 2018 and having a you know another DNF, um, that one was much more physical. I went into that race super pumped. I was so excited to be part of that group and felt great. I was in really good shape. Felt like I was going to, you know, be able to at least give Rebecca Rush a run for her money, maybe not be able to beat her, but at least give her a run for the money. 
Um, and so that one just hurt so much to have to to stop. And it was just, um, but I, I really do think that that gave me the fuel for this year because I was close to, you know, being in contention for the win out there in 2018. And that felt so good. And so I really wanted to just come back and be able to say, yeah, I've, you know, I can do that or I can at least attempt it again. Yeah. I'm curious, like, do you talk to your athletes or do you have an opinion about, um, you know, when, what is appropriate or when should you like DNF grant, not like your bike's not broken, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, or you're not facing a major injury, but like, what's the, like, it's time to call it versus right. let's just push through. Cause I don't like the narrative of like, you should always finish everything, right? right? Like I, yeah. I actually think that can be mentally damaging to some people mm-hmm. and not, not set them up for yeah. their next goal at times. And then there's times like we do just need to like learn to suck it up a little bit more and push through. And it's a hard yeah. balance. It is. And it's a hard to identify it too. I think, you know, mm-hmm. it's really hard to identify it in the moment because it's going to be really easy to say, I don't want to keep going. And, you know, like once you're having a bad day out there, it's really easy to, to, to quit in a lot of ways. Um, so it's, it's hard to identify it, but I do think I'm with you. I think there's, there's times where it is not good to keep pushing yourself, um, physically or mentally. And if you're going to, if it's going to cause long-term damage to your body or to your mind, you know, if it's something that you're not going to want to look at your bike for the next year, because you, you were able to push through and maybe you got that finished, but then it just ruined your love of the sport or, and you just don't want to do it anymore. Is that worth it? And for me, that's a big no. Um, for most athletes, I'd say that's probably a no as well. So kind of being able to, again, make that decision in the moment is hard, but if you can pull yourself out for a minute and look at it from an outside perspective and say, you know, what am I actually going to gain from finishing versus what am I going to lose? And if, if that lose column outweighs the win, then I think that's a, a pretty good sign to, to say, you know, today's not my day. And, and to be okay with it too. You know, it's, it's easy to really beat ourselves up when we have those days when we can't finish and we decide not to, but you made that decision for a reason out there. And I think, um, you can be disappointed. It's okay. But, um, but be okay with your, with making that decision, um, and be able to move forward then. Yeah. It's, it's a really important part of, uh, bike racing and events is to <laughs> be able to move on <laughs> right <laughs> from a bad day. I've got that stupid Kenny Rogers song. And I know when to hold him. No one to hold him. No one to hold <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to ask you about was the balance of doing a 350, the race like this, or, or even, you know, like when you're on going for a top 10 at the 200 <laughs> and also you coach a lot of athletes. And so I was at brunch with my Atlanta crew. And I know you coach Libby and of, and you know, like you came over and you were like asking all about their race, which, you know, like, I'm like, that's the coach of Kristen, but you didn't even mention your race. I'm like, well, you did just finish 350 miles. <laughs> uh, so how do you balance that? Like something that has to, has to be inherently selfish, right? right. With your job and something that's like inherently focused on other people. Well, I, I mean, I get so much joy and excitement out of working with athletes and seeing them attempt these, you know, whether it ends up being successful or not, it's cool to be part of that process. Um, so it was stressful going into this race, particularly because the weather and the conditions. And so, you know, I'm having a lot of conversations with athletes, you know, here's some, 
you know, if this happens, let's think about, you know, changing the game plan a little bit. You know, we had gone in and, and created these kind of race plans with, with, it, which each, with each athlete ahead of time. And then you have to just be ready to adapt based on the conditions. And so it was a lot of kind of last minute conversations happening um, around, around all that. But I do think it like, it actually helped me because I'm, I'm absorbing the same, you know, I'm telling somebody, you know, slow down and take care of yourself and make sure you're, you know, being patient with yourself. And I'm coaching myself in that same moment. So it, it was nice overlap um, in a lot of ways, but, uh, but I think, you know, all of the athletes that I had out there were so supportive of, um, of my race. And, you know, I think they were, more worried about disturbing me, like asking questions and stuff, but it was just like, it's great to have those conversations and make sure everybody's feeling, you know, strong and confident out there. Um, and then of course, you know, afterwards, it's so fun to hear everybody's story and their day and just how they experienced it because our, you know, we are on the same course, we're out there together, but everybody is having such a different experience within themselves. And so, um, it's, yeah, it's just like, that's part of the, the, post-race just unpacking of those stories and hearing how they dealt with certain things or you know the highs and lows of you know rolling through mud with their friends or whatever it is um so it's yeah that's my favorite part of coaching is hearing the after after stories and certainly when it's a an epic day like that because it's not nothing is boring <laughs> none of the stories were boring yeah I love like this is this is the week where you have like the people that were like, I'm never doing that again. Right. <laughs> like, you know, after the event, it's like, and I've been around this long enough that I'm always like, I'll just give me a minute. Right. <laughs> and I got a message from one of your fellow 350ers that she's like, I'm never doing that again. I'm right. never doing it again. And she's like, I can't believe I'm trying to figure out how to do it better next year. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. She's like, what is it? And I'm like, I don't know. There's something magic that happens. Yeah. With it is it's out, such out a there on the thing. prairie. And then just like, even just that putting yourself through that and being like, this sucks. And then being like, I could do that better. Best or worse. Yeah. We forget about how the pain or the, the, how hard it is. I mean, you can remember it, but you don't, feel it the same way as time goes on and you just start really thinking about you know the the positives and or you know what could be positive moving forward but yeah that you, you want to yeah. see what you've seen what you're capable of and you want to see what can I do more yeah mm -hmm. exactly well and I do think this year in particular that the whole mind piece was definitely in play um you know that the 200 mile distance athletes had everything that Kansas weather could throw at you in one day <laughs> in the prairie would happened like e everything. And, you know, when you think about that, I'm like, if you can get through that, how, like, you can definitely manage a meeting at work. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's easy. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Catherine, I interrupted you. Oh, no, it's okay. I just wanted to ask you about that finish line experience. So one, mm -hmm. speaking of anything, was that Christy when the tent was blowing away, the lifetime tent when she was finishing or was it? I, it's all of it. it was, I don't know. I think, it, I don't remember. Catherine. <laughs> it was like, like that massive. I was just excited that she was coming. So. It was the massive <laughs> downpour. We were all huddled under one little media tent. And then it was like, yeah, I'm pushing yeah. guys out of the way. I'm like, the woman's 
woman winner of the 350 is <laughs> about to come in you know everybody starts going out there again like cameras covered and yeah. like what right. you know, I sent Brooke to find me a piece of plastic to put over my phone um, <laughs> from somebody's tent um but yeah tell us about that that finish line experience like getting the win and meeting that goal yeah yeah it's hard it's a uh, it's still kind of sinking in now like I it's it's hard to explain um I think, you know, I, we had this huge, yeah, huge storm come through with probably like six miles to go for me, um, which was just great. Cause it was just like, you know, why not? We're, we're just getting all of the conditions. Might as well just get a huge thunderstorm and just make it super wet and sloppy. Right. Um, so that was pretty, it was, it was great though, because at one point I think I re realized, you know, I had a, you know, a pretty good gap on second place. And so with however many miles to go, I was like, well, if anything happens, I know I can at least just walk my bike in and I can, I can get to the finish line still and, and still win. And so that was a pretty cool moment to kind of like look around and be like, I did it, you know, before getting into the madness of the, the finishing shoot and everything else. So it was pretty cool. I got to celebrate and soak it in for, you know, 15 minutes or however long uh, leading into the finish line. And then, yeah, just like going down commercial street, crossing the, you know, crossing the, the road and onto commercial street and into the gates and, um, it's, it's pouring rain. There's, it's just, it's nuts. Um, but then coming in and seeing both Nick and Christy there at the finish line with champagne. And it was just, um, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It was a, a big relief, but also just, um, yeah, just incredible. Um, and getting to, yeah, give each of you guys a, a, a huge hug. And uh, seeing Christy tear up was pretty awesome as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think uh, I've certainly never had a finish line experience like that. I think that's really rare and um, I'd be lucky to have another one, but uh, I'm not counting on it because that was pretty special. <laughs> Try to replicate the weather conditions for your next race. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um. Well, what's next? Do you have any more epic adventures this summer planned or you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't, I don't have anything on the calendar. I don't have anything planned. Um, last year was a huge year of racing. I had a great experience with lifetime grand prix, um, but definitely got to the end of that season, pretty wiped out mentally and physically and knew I wanted to come back for Excel. And I, I, I really focused this year. I, I had, you know, that was my goal. That was what I put everything into. I put a lot of time and energy into it. Um, was away from home at times, like going out to Emporia and getting time on the roads out there a little bit more in the spring. And so I just felt like I really emptied, emptied myself into that race. Um, and so now it's time to, to rebuild and like refill a little bit. And, um, I'm really excited to be home. I'm really excited to be out adventuring in the mountains with my pups and riding mountain bikes and just enjoying it without any, you know, expectations of, I need to be on my bike. I need to be training. I need to be, you know, doing anything. It can be much more of a, just what does it feel? What feels right that day? Um, so yeah, so I'm really excited that doing some bike packing, just, uh, local stuff nearby, hopefully get some time on the Colorado trail this year, but we'll see maybe, maybe, maybe not. Nice. Awesome. Have you been following the tour divide? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes. How many times have we looked at the track leaders today? Oh my gosh. 
That's pr- <laughs> like, I was like, okay, there's still like another week. You can't look up to track leaders this much, right. <laughs> um, but it's, I don't know if y'all saw Lael's Instagram story where they interviewed her. They were like, oh, so there. She's like, I'll You're catch seven. And she's like, I'll yeah. catch her. <laughs> exactly. She will. That. Yeah. I love that. Oh. <laughs> um, no. I just, yeah. Uh, my awesome. other favorite thing is Alex Howes, whoever's doing those yeah. videos. <laughs> I'm like, it's actually what I kind of imagine how crazy you would be out on the tour yeah. of the box. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's really cool to see people posting from Tour Divide because I think it's a really nice way to uh, experience or get to see what they're going through day in and day out and see that kind of transformation that happens throughout the whole race. Um, So yeah, so it's been really cool to see the social media posts and see like, you know, Ted King, he he just pulled out today or yesterday and I know that was God, that had to have been such a hard decision, but that's kind of, you know, what we were talking about before knowing when the right time is to, to say, you know, this isn't what I need to be doing moving forward. And, um, so yeah, so I think he did that really gracefully. And I think that shows just how hard that event is. Um, so, yeah. and how badass Layla is for kicking all the dudes, but yeah. so. and I will say if you ever have Rabdo, it is the time to pull out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, the other one I really enjoyed is, uh, Hillary Allen just mm-hmm. in the transatlantic uh way right the 1500 miles in the coast of ireland and wow. her her stories were epic because every day yeah. she was like this is fucking hard <laughs> <laughs> like she was so real but with a smile on her face because she's right. so smiling she's like i'm out here it's so beautiful this is fucking hard <laughs> she's like i can't my hand hurts because i Right. I'm using one hand when I do these videos climbing. I sent her a message. I was like, I really appreciate your sacrifice of your hand because this is it's <laughs> so is fun great. to watch. She just finished today. I think it was eight days. She basically went wow. straight from Emporia and Jeez. started it. I didn't so, even see her in Emporia this year, which is crazy. Anyway. Yeah. So <sighs> anyway. Cool. Um, and well then uh, you also coach. Kristen, are you still taking athletes mm-hmm. if somebody's looking for a coach? Yes, definitely. Always uh, you know love meeting new people and talking to athletes, see what their goals are and how I can help with it and just different, uh, different events, different experiences. So any, uh, endurance cycling ish types of, uh, riders out there always love to chat. Uh, my coaching is rambler.com R A M B L E U R very fancy. Uh, <laughs> it's like you're Canadian or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> our podcast editor's Canadian, so she'll get a kick out of that comment. She'll get it right. <laughs> she'll spell it right in the show notes. Um, and then um where can people follow you? Um, I am KP Legan uh on different social well, Instagram, I guess for the most part. Um that's a place to follow. Uh I will warn you, it's mostly pictures of mountains and my dogs and maybe some That's bike fair. riding every once in a while. So, and moose, you know, we had some moose come through oh, yesterday. Oh, maybe so. moose. What, that, that was, yeah. Yeah. Hey, how so did cute. your, did your Instagram go, grow after the win? Yeah, it did. Yeah, I got a, a good okay. handful of new followers, which is pretty fun. And um, yeah, I mean, just the number of people that reached out, like that was probably the coolest part of the whole experience was just, you know, I mean, old people from high school, you know, that had reached out and been like, Hey, I've heard about this unbound thing. And that's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, it's been fun to reconnect with, with folks out there. Awesome. All right. Have we talked to her enough? 
Okay, cool. I could talk to KP all day. So, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. We've what been recording we for about? like 45 minutes. So, we... <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're all good. right. Thank you so much for, well, it was a long race. There's a lot to share. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> exactly. We didn't even get into some of it. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been fun to get to chat. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.